You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can find us on Packernet.com and also on Twitter at Packers underscore access. And today's show we've got lined up. We're going to kind of break it down into three segments. Uh, as usual, we're going to touch on a little bit of Packers history. And uh, we're going to do a uh, first round mock draft. And then we're going to cover some Green Bay news with uh, some of the players already reporting for uh, offseason uh, training activities, things like that. And uh, when, he get, when we get into the Packers history segment here, um, what we're going to cover is the Packers all-time draft class by rounds, okay? So what I mean by that is I was trying to break it down, and, and there's plenty of players to kind of choose as far as, you know, players that played an uh, integral role in the history of the Green Bay Packers and, and where were they drafted. But when I looked at that list, I was like, my goodness, well, the whole show will just consist of that. And we definitely don't want to beat a dead horse in that regard. So what I did was I just picked the Hall of Fame players. And when I say Hall of Fame players, that also includes Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I excluded Devontae Adams simply because I kind of feel like <clears throat> the jury is still out on Tay. You know, if Tay's career ended today, would he be in the Hall of Fame? Is he a Hall of Fame worthy player? I think so. Um, there's, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I think so. I think there's definitely an argument to be made there. But if his career ended today, I would look at it and go, he didn't win any championships. He doesn't hold any of the all-time records. Um, to be completely honest, you know his his team's winning percentage is uh, with the current head coach is basically undefeated without him in the lineup. It's kind of hard for me to say, yeah, he's he should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, if he continues on the path that <clears throat> he has had in Green Bay uh, as he moves on to Vegas, then absolutely. You give him maybe three more years of what he's done in Green Bay, and if he does that in Vegas, I think he's a Hall of Famer. But I just wanted to kind of put that out there. He's not on the list, and the reason being is because I just feel like he's got to put a little bit more together. And that's no hard feelings towards Tay. Like You guys know how I feel about him and, and what he contributed to the Packers. I think he did everything the right way. But in the first round uh, mock draft, what we're going to do is I'm using my big board and you know, I did several mock drafts the other day and just kind of read you guys the Green Bay Packers results. Well, with this uh, first round mock draft, what I'm going to do is using the same big board, I'm going to go through and tell you every pick that each team made and kind of give us a little bit realistic approach to how this draft might fall. You know, the, the six mock drafts where I showed you who the Packers took uh, with me being the Packers, that was the only team that I used for that mock draft was the Green Bay Packers. In this scenario, I'm going to be making every single pick for every team. Okay, so it allows me to really focus on their needs while looking at my draft board as opposed to just using these simulations where the CPU kind of picks the picks for you. And I think sometimes when when you come up with that, you know, when you run multiple simulations and there's different picks each time, it's obvious that there's some kind of algorithm in the websites that, that wants you to kind of mix it up or else it would just be the same exact draft every time, you know. So um, I think it's important just to kind of put that prerequisite out there. And then we're going to cover some news, like I said, some Packers news. we got players reporting today and, uh, and just kind of go around Twitter a little bit and see what's uh, kind of in the news for the Packers uh, on this snowy day at Lambeau. Now, as we dive into the Packers history segment, first of all, I want to say uh, thank you guys so much for the feedback. Um, a lot of people reached out to me after the the uh, Jack Venisi um, segment that we did on Packers history last week, and and you know the week before with uh, with George Calhoun, and um, those are a little bit more length, lengthy, right? They they take a little more time uh, to put together, a little bit more research, and currently I'm trying to do two episodes a week, so. I won't bore you with all the details, but there's going to be some episodes where I have a little more time to dig into some of those personalized stories. And, and people hit me up on Twitter and talked about, uh, I think it was Redbeard said, man, it was just a, it was a powerful segment when it come with uh, Jack Benici. And I completely agree. And, and what's so cool is as I'm digging into that, I didn't know probably 80% of what I talked about. 
it's stuff that I uncovered. Um, I, I knew there was a scouting department in place before Lombardi got there, and I knew that the majority of those players were drafted and already on the roster. It kind of took Lombardi to unlock that. Um, but I did not know who Jack Venisi was. So um, it was what a blessing it was just to uh, kind of jump into you know that story because it really did it uh, it was uh it was powerful and it had nothing to do with me it was the story itself you could have gotten anybody to tell that story and it would have been powerful um so i completely uh, agree with redbeard there on twitter because it was it was excellent so uh awesome so packers history this week what we're going to do is look at the all-time draft classes by round for the green bay packers and we're going to start off with round one and what i've done is I just went ahead and kind of cut everything down to size and said rather than trying to pick the best players because there are a ton of them, I'm going to list off every Hall of Fame player that the Packers have drafted. And it's funny because, you know, the Green Bay Packers are one of those teams that when they get talked about and they're in the limelight as far as, you know, personnel decisions, things like that, it's always mentioned just how many uh, Hall of Famers they have had on their team, you know, throughout the course of the hundred years they've been around. So what I'm going to do is break it down to just the Hall of Famers. I'm going to list off those Hall of Famers and more importantly, what round they were taken in and what year to kind of give you an idea of where was the majority of the talent drafted. That's kind of been my theme if you haven't caught on is when I've looked at each position of need this year, I've kind of went through PFF, looked at the grades of past drafts and said, okay, where were the best players selected to kind of give us an idea of where we need to attack? You know, a good example of that is the consensus basically came up that that we need to really focus on tackle um, in the first round more, more than likely because we could still find good talent in the second round. So what I've done here is the greatest players, the Hall of Fame players, that played for the Green Bay Packers, um, we're going to go through and see where they were drafted. I thought that would be a cool little exercise as we're winding down. You know, we're just what, under two weeks away from uh, from the NFL draft. I think it's a week from Thursday. And we did a little test run today, guys, and it's uh, it's going to be good. We, we've got the program set, and Ryan is uh, – you guys need to give him a shout-out, man. Y'all, y'all need to, to, to kind of uh, – I don't know. Give him a little extra praise because he's working behind the scenes putting this stuff together. It's no easy task. And, and you know, with people like me and, and J.J. Leahy and Goose and some of the other guys that are going to be contributing, I'm sure Ryan feels like he's herding cats, right? J.J.'s a little more organized than all of us, I think. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the task to try to have these practice runs and get things set up to where um, you make sure that everything is top-notch on draft night. So, uh, yeah, but jumping into the draft classes, let's start with round one. Um, first on the list, and we're kind of going, we're starting with the most recent and going back in time. Okay. Round one, the 2005 NFL draft pick number 24 was quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Not much to say there other than we know he's going to be in the hall of fame. That's why I put him on the list. There's absolutely no way that he doesn't make it to the hall of fame. I almost wanted to say, unless he kills someone, but then again, OJ Simpson's in the hall of fame. So that, I guess that still gets you in no matter what, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Next on the list for round one was 1978. The number six pick overall was wide receiver James Lofton. In 1963, the number 14 overall pick was linebacker Dave Robinson. 1961, the number 12 pick was defensive back Herb Adderley. 1957, the very first pick of the 1957 draft was halfback Paul Hornig. So to recap, your first round Hall of Famers, you know, Hall of Fame players that were drafted in the first round by the Green Bay Packers were quarterback Aaron Rodgers, wide receiver James Lofton, linebacker Dave Robinson, defensive back Herb Adderley, and halfback Paul Hornick. So now on to round two. In the 1958 draft with the number 15 pick, the uh, Packers selected running back Jim Taylor. And it's pretty cool because literally in 57, they draft Paul Hornig, And then in 1958, they draft Jim Taylor. So you can kind of tell where Venisi was going with those two picks. He got his halfback. He got his fullback. This was one year before Lombardi showed up. I believe in 1950, it was either 58 or 59, they only won one game. And these guys were already on the roster. So pretty cool there. Jim Taylor was a second round pick at number 15. In 1956, the number 20 pick was tackle Forrest Gregg. So he was a second-round pick. He's been kind of touted as Lombardi's favorite player. I don't know if favorite's the right word. 
the way Lombardi put it was he was the best player I'd ever coached. So he was a second-round pick, Forrest Gregg. In 1990, we've got the number 48 pick, Safety Leroy Butler, which that's pretty cool. He was a second-round pick. You think about everything that he did. You know, we, we did a little segment on him earlier uh, in an earlier podcast there with the uh, the safety position, it being a, what I feel like is a position of need going into this year's draft. Um, so Safety Leroy Butler um, was drafted in 1990 with the number 48 pick, Hall of Fame, uh, Hall of Fame player that a lot of teams passed up on. On to round three. The 1958 NFL Draft. Number 36 pick overall, he was in the third round, was linebacker Ray Nitschke. In 1952, the number 28 pick overall in the third round, safety Bobby Dillon. We talked about him, right, with the one eye. Um, Another Hall of Famer that was taken there in the third round. So now we're getting to the fourth round. And you notice how there was a lot of first-rounders. There was a few second-rounders. There was only two third-rounders. It just kind of shows you you're really going to land those marquee players in those early rounds. It's so important to get those picks right, as we know Gutekunst has done an excellent excellent job since taking over as GM. First and second round, he's just about been lights out, which is excellent. Um, So round four, there was only one pick. 1958, number 39 overall. He was in the fourth round. That was guard Jerry Kramer. Uh, one of the best offensive linemen to ever play the game. He's a guy that I really, really like a lot. And there's actually a video that I stumbled onto, guys. And Jerry Kramer narrates it. He kind of hosts it. And it was some kind of a dinner-slash-drinking gathering of Lombardi's Packers. And you can find it on YouTube. If you just if you type in Jerry Kramer, Lombardi's Packers, something like that, you'll probably find it. What an excellent program. That thing was put together so well. It might have even been NFL Films. I'm not 100% sure. But they had Vince Lombardi's son in it. And he was just kind of hanging out with Vince's, uh, you know, Vince's players. I believe it might have been at a restaurant that the family owns or maybe a bar that the family owns, something like that. But, man, it was so good because it was just the camera going around this room and and seeing people, you know, like, a, like you know, uh, I mean, you just name it. There was there were so many in the room. You know, Jerry Kramer, you know, chatting it up with Forrest Gregg, and luckily it was it was uh, it was recorded some time ago, right? So you, a lot of these players have since passed away, unfortunately. But it was cool that they took the time to get that. You know, to see Dave Robinson chatting with you know Paul Horning and Jim Taylor cutting it up with you know with uh, you know anybody from you know Bart Starr to whoever. It was just a really really cool setting. So, uh, but anyway, Jerry Kramer, round four. I, I just wanted to mention that because it popped in my head. I watched it a couple of days ago, and it's definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of cool stuff if you. If you got the time to really dig into YouTube, you can find some good old Green Bay Packers stuff. Um, but the next one, we've got to skip from round four all the way down to round nine to find the next one. And we've got to go all the way back to 1941. He was the number 77 pick in the 1941 draft. That was halfback Tony Canadeo. And if you guys don't know anything about Tony Canadeo, you should really try to look up the information. What a colorful character, a guy that just ran with fury. Um, I've got several of his pictures on the wall here in the studio. Just one of those players that was a staple for Curly Lambeau's, uh, you know, Green Bay Packers back in the day. But again, he was drafted in 1941, round nine, number, pick number 77. And then the final one on this list, the final Hall of Famer that was selected by the Green Bay Packers, was in 1956, and I love this, round number 17, he was the 200th pick, and that was quarterback Bart Starr. And when I seen that number 200 pick, I immediately thought of Tom Brady and how low he was taken, right? And it was some time ago. I know 1956 was a lot different than, I can't even remember, I believe Brady came out in either 2000 or 2001. You know, a lot of time had passed between them. But just to show you that that some players, man, they just slip through the cracks. And again, we we covered it on the Jack Venisi episode, talking about how Jack Venisi actually found him. The only reason that Bart Starr was drafted by the Green Bay Packers was because Jack Venisi created a good friendship with one of the basketball coaches at Bama because he didn't have access to the head coach of the football team. So he networked through the basketball coach who in, in turn told him, hey, look, you need to keep your eye on this uh, this quarterback, Bart Starr. He's a misfit in the offense. He's dealt with some injuries, but this guy knows football, 
and he is just a, a hidden gem. So again, round 17, 1956, he was the 200th pick. That was quarterback Bart Starr. So to recap, starting with round two, since we already recapped uh, round one, you got running back Jim Taylor, tackle Forrest Gregg, safety Leroy Butler. Round three, linebacker Ray Nitschke, safety Bobby Dillon. Round four, guard Jerry Kramer. Round nine, halfback Tony Canadeo. Round 17, and that was uh, quarterback Bart Starr. So I thought it was cool to kind of throw that out there, and I think it's kind of fitting that we're going to do a first-round mock draft. And obviously, you know, the majority of those Hall of Famers came in the first round, and it's very, very important to understand exactly how the first round may unfold. And we're going to get into that topic right now, but first let's take a quick commercial break. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. All right, so let's get into this first round mock draft here for the entire NFL. And the way I did it, guys, you can actually find this mock draft on Twitter. I tweeted it out um, just uh, not too long after I uh, actually completed this. And I want to kind of give you an idea of the parameter here, okay? There's no trades, okay? I I really don't feel like anybody knows how the trades are going to fall. There were several times as I was making a pick, I remember thinking, I would trade out right here, right? And, uh... But we're not going to do that for the sake of trying to keep things organized and just kind of understand where the needs lie for each team. And we're going to do it somewhat quick. I don't want to bore you with just reading names. But hopefully you'll come away from this mock draft exercise here with the first round kind of understanding what players could potentially drop. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the name of the team. I'm going to tell you what I feel like their top three needs. And then I'm going to tell you the player I picked and why. Okay? And we're going to try to move pretty quick. This first one right out the gate really will probably throw a few people off, especially with the rumors that's been heard that they're taking an edge defender. You know, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one pick overall. Everyone's saying, you know, that it could be a Hutchinson or it might be Walker. Um, what I did was I looked at their needs, and their top three needs are edge, safety, and defensive line. Okay. I'm not saying that. Uh, either one of those are more important than the other. I feel like it's important to have a well-balanced team. The reason I chose the position I did is because I feel like the most important thing the defense can do is to protect the middle of the field. You know, the boundary, the out-of-bounds line, to me, that's an extra defender, an extra two defenders that are on the field. That's the way I look at that. I want to try to build the strength of my defense right down the center of the field. It's why I was so adamant about wanting Devondre Campbell back. If you guys will remember, I think I even said I would rather have Devondre Campbell back than Devontae Adams. And the reason I said that was because you got a Hall of Fame quarterback. If he indeed is as good as everyone thinks he is in Aaron Rodgers, which I believe he is, he should be able to elevate the players around him. And he's been able to perform without Tay. You know, he's, he, you know, under the Matt LaFleur era, they are undefeated without Devontae Adams in the lineup. Well, I kind of looked at it from a different perspective of, okay, um, you know, what's the what's the most important positions on the defense, okay? Um, edge is important, don't get me wrong, but I feel like it's right down the center. Safety, that's going to be playing center field, whether you want to you know use your free safety or your strong safety for that. Most of the time it's free safety, um, depends on the scheme. Middle linebacker and defensive tackle. So when I look at Jacksonville Jaguars needs, lo and behold, you've got edge, safety, and defensive line. Well, when I look at the horizontal board for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and this is going to be the only long-winded pick I'm going to talk about. I think it's important because it sets the tone for the whole first round. When I look at the horizontal big board, guys, there were, you know, Hutchinson, and then it was Cal- or yeah, then it was Hamilton for Notre Dame. Okay? And the reason I mention that is because There are six players in the top two tiers that play edge, okay? So I feel like you could still get value there later. When you look at the safety position, according to my board, Hamilton is in the number two spot, and you've got two void tiers, two tiers that have no safeties in it. 
So it's going to be a long time before you could draft a safety. And the fact that you're already picking number one with Jacksonville, um, I really, really feel like it's it's more important to take the top safety there and then get the edge defender later. Some people may disagree with that. That's just my philosophy on how to build a team. And again, when I make these picks, I'm looking at the top needs and how I would build the team. So with the number one pick with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I selected Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame. Okay, on to number two, these pitiful Detroit Lions. The, the, the Detroit Lions' top needs, in my opinion, were quarterback, edge, and safety. Okay, you got the best edge defender in the entire draft in Hutchinson sitting right there at the top. Some people say it's Thibodeau. Some people say it's Walker. I personally believe it's Hutchinson, hands down. So do you go with edge or do you go with quarterback? Well, the way I look at quarterback is there's two different types of drafts. And a lot of people, you know, they don't really think of it this way, but Greg Cosell laid it out for me one time, you know, on a podcast. And I said, that makes complete sense because I couldn't really wrap my head around why is it that quarterbacks go higher than they should, right? And when I look at it, he said it best. He said, there's two different types of draft that are going, that's going to be going on just like every year. You've got the, a quarterback draft and then you've got a regular draft with every other position. So the quarterback position is treated way, way, way more valuable, right? So the way I look at that is, okay, I'm willing to reach just a bit for a quarterback, but not too far. I'm willing to go reach one tier, reach out of the top current tier to grab a quarterback if indeed it is a top need for my team, okay? So with the Detroit Lions pick, what I did, looked at my horizontal board, and in the number 19 slot, which falls into tier two, is Malik Willis. He grades out at a 17.55 for me. So the lower the number, the more valuable for me. So when I look at that pick, I think it's it's a no-brainer. I'm taking Malik Willis there for Detroit. So I drafted him out of Liberty in the number two spot, and that is going to be our franchise quarterback. We'll let Jarrett Goff start this year, and then we'll ease Malik into the starting lineup either later in the year or just wait all the way till next year. So there's your first quarterback taken of the day. In the number three spot, we got the Houston Texans. Their top needs were edge, corner, and safety. And this makes all the sense in the world to me. Your top need is the absolute best player in this draft, okay? Um, there's no reason to take a corner. They, again, their third need is safety, right? Well, Hamilton's gone. If if uh, Jacksonville had gone with Hutchinson with that first pick, I probably would have took Hamilton with that same philosophy of we got two void tiers before we hit another safety that's going to be top-tier talent. So with the third pick in the Houston Texans, I am taking edge defender Aiden Hutchinson. Now on to number four, the New York Jets. Obviously, the New York Jets drafted a quarterback last year. It sounds like they were in the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson this year. That didn't work out. So my top needs, in my opinion, we still need to see what Zach Wilson has. Is He, he could still be the, the quarterback of the future. We know that the guy was under complete distress the entire year with that offensive line. The top three needs are offensive tackle, edge defender, and safety. So what I'm going to do here with the number four pick is I'm going to select Akeem Equinu. Equinu, I can never say his name. I don't know what's correct, but I'm sure you guys have kind of come to expect it from me on this podcast. <laughs> like I was saying with Jacob uh, on, on the last episode, man, if, it, if their name ain't Earl or Jarvis or something like that from down here in the south, I have a hard time pronouncing it. But anyway, I'm going offensive tackle out of NC State. Equinu. Okay, so there's your first offensive tackle off the board. Next, you got the New York Football Giants, and what what tends to happen here is uh, as as one position is taken, sometimes it creates it creates this cascade of uh, players at the same position being taken, and that's exactly what happens here because the New York Giants' top needs are offensive tackle, edge, and safety, just like the the last team there with the New York Jets. So with the number five pick, I'm taking offensive tackle out of Alabama, Evan Neal. Okay, so Evan Neal is going to the New York Giants. Up next is the Carolina Panthers. Now, this is really, really cool. The Carolina Panthers have been linked linked to Kenny Pickett. You guys know I'm pretty high on Kenny Pickett, mainly because how uh, because uh, Greg Cosell is extremely high on Kenny Pickett. Okay, there a lot of you know a lot of chatter around the league. Greg said everybody that he talked to at the combine said this guy is the smartest quarterback in the draft. He really gets it. It sounds like everything that everybody described Mac Jones as. So when we look at needs, though, it's not the top need. 
Offensive tackle, quarterback, and interior offensive line are the needs. And when I looked at Kenny Pickett, he's sitting in the 28 spot. He's in tier three. So when I look at this pick, this would have been the prime example to trade back, okay? But obviously we're not doing trades. I cannot reach two tiers to get my so-called franchise quarterback. I just can't bring myself to do it. So I'm going to go with offensive tackle, um, Charles Cross, out of Mississippi State. Okay, so that fixes my tackle position. I didn't reach two tiers to get the quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Although on draft night, I'll be honest with you guys, understand this is how I would draft for these teams. And I am very, very, very much a stickler. You know, stick with the board. Stick with the board. Don't get caught reaching. A lot of these teams are going to reach. I think there's a great chance that Kenny Pickett goes to Carolina. I really do. Or at least Carolina trades back and grabs him a little later in the round. But nonetheless, that's not how I would build my team. There's not, you know, it's not like Kenny Pickett is this slam dunk franchise quarterback. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't in no way say that he's on the level of Mac Jones, although it's easy to compare the two because, you know, they have kind of the same traits as far as that intellect that everyone's talking about playing the quarterback position. So now on to the number seven pick. You've got the New York Giants back on the clock, right? You know, obviously, two picks ago, we took an offensive tackle, right? We took uh, Evan Neal out of Alabama. So now as we reset the board, the top needs are edge, safety, and interior offensive line. So what I've done here is went with the best edge defender on the board. He's actually the number two or number three uh, prospect on my entire horizontal board, and that is uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. So we're going to take Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon here at the edge position for the New York Giants. On to the Atlanta Falcons. Top needs are edge, wide receiver, and quarterback. Okay, so when we look at the Atlanta Falcons, we say, okay, um, edge, wide receiver, and quarterback. We've got the best wide receiver on the board. He sits in Tier 1, but we've also got an edge defender that's in Tier 1. So when I look at those two positions when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons, I say to myself, self, (laughs) which is more important, edge or wide receiver? Forget needs for a second. If you could choose between an elite edge defender or an elite wide receiver, who would you take? Now, it goes without saying that quarterback is the third need for the Falcons. The same thing applies. I'm not going to reach two tiers to get a quarterback right now. When he's one tier down, we will jump one tier. The same thing goes with edge defenders. The same thing goes with left tackles. The same thing goes with you know those key components of building a team. And I feel like quarterback... Left tackle and edge defender are kind of that elite position for any team. You want to make sure you have that. It's no coincidence that the teams that are good year in and year out have those three positions pretty well in hand, or at least two of them. But with Atlanta, I'm looking at the edge defender, and I'm going, okay, I could go with Wilson at wide receiver, or I could go edge defender Trayvon Walker. I'm going Trayvon Walker for the very reason I just explained to you guys. Edge defender is in that elite category for me. You've got to have an edge defender. The The greatest asset on the football field is a quarterback. The number one way that you can disrupt how the quarterback plays is by getting pressure on him. And we all know that if you've got an elite edge rusher, they can really get a quarterback off their game. All it takes is a double team on a wide receiver. We've seen it with Tay in the playoffs, and they're done. They're, they're useless, right? An edge defender, if you have to... Uh, double up and block that guy, play in and play out. It's going to open up so many things for the running game. It's going to give your uh, your quarterback, you know, it, it just it creates this this turmoil too that you ha- you have to occupy that edge defender with two blockers. There's just so many moving parts that come with that. So edge defender, I digress. It's way more important than wide receiver to me, and that's why with the Atlanta Falcons pick, I took Trayvon Walker out of Georgia at the edge position. So up next, the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, When you look at the Seahawks' needs, it's offensive tackle, quarterback, and edge. Okay, So when I look at those positions of need, there are um, there are no – Offensive tackles on the board, okay, so are in the top tier. Cross that off. We're not jumping two tiers to get a quarterback. Cross that off. Then you've got edge defender, right? So when you look at the edge defender position, we're now down to tier two. So in the top tier, the best player available is at the cornerback position. That's CB, not quarterback, cornerback, right? So at corner, when I look at that, I go, you know what? 
If I was the Seattle Seahawks, I probably would have traded out of this pick. Okay, and I'm going to make a list of these teams that I feel like may trade. I feel like the Carolina Panthers may trade, and I feel like the Seattle Seahawks may trade down. Okay, so with those three positions of need, I, I can't trade out. We're not doing trades in this simulation. I'm not going to jump down a tier to get the third need of my team. I'm going with the best player available, in my opinion. That is defensive back corner out of LSU, Derek Stingley Jr. I have him graded slightly above Gardner, okay? Just maybe two spots above Gardner. Um, I really believe Stingley and Gardner are both going to be great players. I just like Stingley a little bit better than Gardner to see, seeing exactly what he did when he burst on the scene. As far as the injuries, he is red on my board because he's had past injuries. But all indications are after the pro day, this guy is completely healthy. So I went with Stingley to Seattle. And you got to kind of bolster up that secondary as you're starting to rebuild the Seattle Seahawks. So on to the number 10 pick. We have the New York Jets. Their top needs now are edge defender, safety, and corner. And when you look at that, edge defender, there's no... Edge defenders in the top tier. There are no safeties in the top tier, not even within two tiers. So corner, your third need, is going to hands down be the best player on the board, and that's the guy we just talked about in Sauce Gardner. So it's going to go Stingley Jr., then Sauce Gardner to the Jets. And you'll kind of see how these positions start to cascade, right? They start to kind of fall into place. One Once one player is taken at a certain position, they all fly off the board. You've already seen edge defender come off the board you've seen left tackle come off the board now all the corners are gone out of tier one so the only player left in tier one guys is wide receiver garrett wilson and look who's up next at number 11 the washington commanders okay on here it says washington washington because i tell you what the, the trouble that dan snyder's in i don't know what they're going to call him next uh, to be honest they're probably going to want to rebrand again this is, <laughs> it's hard not to laugh but my goodness man these uh Oh, what an organization. Anyway, Washington on the clock. Top needs are wide receiver, corner, and interior offensive line. It's a no-brainer. Our top need fits the only player in the top tier on my board, and that's Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. So he's going to Washington, unfortunately. All right, <laughs> on to the next. Those nasty, nasty, yucky Minnesota Vikings. Let's hope they find a way to screw it up, right? Not today. If I'm using the Minnesota Vikings, if I'm running with the Minnesota Vikings, top needs are safety, defensive line, and corner. This is a no-brainer. We're now in Tier 2. There's no players left in Tier 1 at all. And the second player on Tier 2, only behind Karloftis, is defensive line freak Jordan Davis. So I'm going defensive line Jordan Davis out of, uh, out of Georgia. He's my pick to the Minnesota Vikings. Up next, we got the Houston Texans. Um, their top needs are cornerback, safety, and offensive tackle. When you look at the board, um, the, the second person on the living board now is Corner McDuffie. Okay, so I'm going to take Trent McDuffie here to the Houston Texans. That fills their top need, best player in the top tier, other than Carl Loftus. They definitely don't need an edge defender, and there's no offensive tackles uh, that are rated higher than McDuffie on my board. Up next, we got the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, uh, as far as needs, it comes down to defensive line, edge, and corner. Let's say that Houston did go ahead and take Karloftis with that last pick. Then I believe Baltimore would be all over Jordan Davis. But seeing that they did not take Karloftis, they went Jordan Davis. That leaves the best player on the board in the top at the very top of the second tier on my board, that's edge defender Karloftis. So I've got George Karloftis out of Purdue, edge defender, going to Baltimore right there. All right, Philadelphia. Top needs, cornerback, edge, and wide receiver. Cornerback, edge, and wide receiver. You look at the board, there are no corners in this uh, tier at all. Um, you've got several edge different. Uh, you got two more edge defenders that are available, right? And we have... Three wide receivers. So when I look at this, the top wide receiver in this tier that's remaining is Drake London. He's barely graded higher than the top edge defenders. Now, there's only two edge defenders left in this tier. There's three wide receivers. And oh, by the way, two of the three wide receivers have a few injury concerns. That's Drake London and Jameson, Will Jameson Williams. Okay, so with that being said, 
There's more options at wide receiver. I'm going to go with the lesser uh, options, and that's edge defender. So it's going to come down to uh, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State or Ajabo. When you look at Ajabo and Johnson, on my board, Ajabo's in red. We know he tore that Achilles. We hope he comes back healthy as ever. We love the guy. We want him to do good. But with that little bit of injury concern, and with him, he and Johnson grading out exactly the same as a 16 on my board, I'm going to go with Jermaine Johnson here to Philadelphia. Up next, we got the New Orleans Saints. This is where it gets good. New Orleans Saints' top needs are wide receiver, offensive tackle, and quarterback. Some people are saying, but they re-signed Jameis Winston, right? Well, Jameis Winston's on a two-year deal. I think it's safe to say that they don't know if he's going to be uh, the answer to their future. So now we're sitting in Tier 2, right? Where the, There's players left in Tier 2, okay? Multiple players. When you look at New Orleans, their top need is wide receiver, offensive tackle, and quarterback. When I look at it, guess what? Only one tier down is Kenny Pickett. So Kenny Pickett is within striking distance of my golden rule that you can reach one tier for an elite position, those elite positions being quarterback, left tackle, and edge defender. So what I'm going to do here for the New Orleans Saints, you got Jameis Winston kind of uh, running running the team. Um, it's going to give Kenny Pickett time to develop. And then he can step in and say year three. When Jameis Winston's contract is up, Kenny Pickett steps in. He becomes a starter. And uh, and who knows? Maybe maybe you see enough, kind of like with Mac Jones, and they trade Jameis Winston before then. I don't know how that contract's structured. However, I think it's a no-brainer that New Orleans would go with Kenny Pickett here at pick number 16. On to number 17, you've got the uh, L.A. Chargers. Top needs, offensive tackle, defensive line, and linebacker. So... When I look at those needs, offensive tackle is the one that sticks out to me the most. I look on the board, hands down, the only offensive tackle that's going to be available in Tier 2 for me, and there's only one player there, he grades out of the 17, and that is Mr. Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. I think that's a no-brainer. The Chargers go and get that offensive tackle, um, somebody they can plug and play right off the bat in Penning. You guys know from past podcasts, we we absolutely adore Penning. We would love to see him fall to the Packers. I just don't see it being realistic in every mock I've done. So, on to the next, number 18 pick. It's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Their top needs are corner, wide receiver, and interior offensive line. Okay, so when I look at the board and when it comes to Philly, I go, okay, corner, wide receiver, and offensive line, interior offensive line at that. It, this sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I look at it and I go, okay, there's only one interior offensive line. The only tackles taken out of this tier two. So there's only one interior offensive line. That's Linderbaum. There's three wide receivers, and two of those are in the red with pass injury concerns. So what I'm going to do here is go ahead and take, first of all, there's no corners in this tier either. So that not being an elite position, wide receiver not being an elite position, I'm going with interior offensive line because the board says to. So I'm going with Linderbaum here to number 18. Number 19 pick, the New Orleans Saints. Um, they're up. Their top need now is wide receiver, offensive tackle, and safety. You remember just a second ago I said, let's hold up. Let's take the quarterback now. Let's jump down a tier, get our quarterback of the future. And now, guess what? None of the receivers have been taken. You've got your pick of the litter. This is going to be tough. This is going to be really, really tough. Because when you look at the wide receivers, you've got Drake London. He's graded significantly higher to 15 than Williams, who's at an 18.5, and then Alave at a 19.5. However, Alave's in the green because he's healthy. Both London and Williams have a few injury concerns. When I look at it and break it all down, there's no reason to think that Drake London is going to be long-term injured, right? But I think it's important that it is lit up right on this board just so we're better safe than sorry. I'm going with Drake London here as the first wide receiver taken out of Tier 2. Okay, so he will go to the New Orleans Saints, and what you've got there now is a uh, a future number one wide receiver, hopefully. You've got your future quarterback, and you're off and running. We've heard so many conversations this year, guys, about how the Saints are in cap hell, right? Well, one way to get out of cap hell is to draft two positions that are the most expensive. You've got two guys, franchise quarterback and a wide receiver that are going to be on rookie contracts with a fifth-year option, 
Okay, I think that's the best way to clean up the cap in that scenario. Two of the most expensive positions in all of football. We've seen how how overpriced wide receivers are now. Uh, you can go ahead and get those two locked into four-year deals at an extremely reasonable price if indeed their board does fall like mine. So on to pick number 20, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, top needs are interior offensive line, safety, and corner. When I look at the board, um, to me, the best player available is actually at tackle. I feel like he could probably move in and out, you know, if that's something they needed him to do. But at the end of the day, um, there are no corners in this tier and there are no safeties in this tier. So I'm going to go the best player available, which in my opinion is um, offensive lineman Raymond. Okay, so I'm going to go with Raymond here to the Pittsburgh Steelers simply because we need an extra offensive line and it, it, they're going to start getting more and more scarce over the next few tiers. So with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers pick, we're going to go with tackle Bernhard Raymond. On to number 21, the New England Patriots. This pick here, if I had to put money on any specific pick of this year's draft, this is the one I'm doing it. I feel like this makes so much sense for for the New England Patriots to take this guy. Their top needs are linebacker, interior offensive line, and wide receiver. When I look at the linebacker position, there's one guy that's hands down better than everyone else, and that's Lloyd. Okay, So when I look at Devin Lloyd out of Utah, I think this is a Bill Belichick pick. With Hightower getting older, they just let Van Noy walk. Who's going to play that huge, huge role in Bill Belichick's defense there, a complex defense at middle linebacker? I think it's going to be Devin Lloyd out of Utah. So there's the first linebacker of the day drafted um, by the New England Patriots. So here we are. We're going to take a a quick cutout here because the Green Bay Packers are on the clock. I'm going to reset and give you my analysis of where, who we should take and why we should take them. Okay, Green Bay Packers on the clock, number 22, no trading, no cheating, right? So when I look at the board, what we have left is you've got Jameis Williams, Jameson Williams, sorry, and you've got Chris Olave at wide receiver. Our needs are wide receiver, offensive line, and safety, and or safety, uh, safety middle linebacker. We know linebacker is nowhere in the picture. When we look at the safeties, there's still two tiers away. No way we're taking a safety. So it comes down to offensive line and wide receiver. There are no offensive line in this tier as it sits right now. And this goes hand-in-hand hand with what we've said in past podcasts about how um, offensive line, especially tackle, are going to go really, really early. You want to try to get them in the first round. Well, they're already gone, especially with Raymond going. If Raymond was there... I would be willing to reach down a tier possibly because there's a surplus of wide receivers as it sits and he would be in that elite quote-unquote left tackle position although we would probably move him to right tackle. He would be worth reaching for one tier but the Steelers took him. He's already off the board. The best offensive lineman available is an interior offensive lineman who is one tier down. I do not consider that an elite position, so I'm not going to do that. It's wide receiver all the way. So now, which wide receiver do we take? Do we take Jameson Williams or do we take Chris Olave? When I look at it, you've got one player. Forget their names. Forget how good they are. Let's pretend they are exactly the same player. Okay. Let's pretend they're on the same exact talent level. If someone told you one tore an ACL late in the season last year, and the other is completely healthy, which one are you picking? It's a no-brainer. I'm taking the healthy guy, okay? So now, let's apply the grade. The grade of both these players, they're in the same tier. Both of these players will be good picks at this at this position. I really, really believe that. But when you look at it, Williams is a 18.5, and Olave is a 19.5. So Williams is just one point higher I'm going to go with Olave here. Actually, I would trade down if it were me, but we're not trading here. I'm going with Olave with this pick. So I'm taking wide receiver Olave, and the only reason being is because there is a little bit of injury concern there with Jameson Williams. Let's back up and say Olave wouldn't be available, and Williams is the only wide receiver uh, of those two that are on the board, and the, and the board sits exactly the same, right? I would take Williams. I don't have that much, you know, I'm not that worried about it. But the fact that they graded out so close together, why not take the guy 
who who's not coming off ACL, you know, surgery. And a lot of people were making it sound like, oh, it, ACLs are nothing now because we've seen players come back fairly quick. We've also seen people like David Bakhtiari. Like, let's don't start making that, you know, all of a sudden the rule when we know it's kind of the exception that someone can come off of that injury clean. Um, there's been multiple players that have struggled with that. I just don't think we're completely out of the woods when it comes to ACLs. People make it sound like it's just no big deal. Now, with Odell Beckham Jr. out in L.A., it's a little bit different story because they said they knew going in that the last doctor in Cleveland, leave it to Cleveland to screw something up, completely botched his knee. So they knew there were issues already when they when they got him, when they did the physical. So they knew a surgery was coming anyway. It just so happened to pop there in the playoffs. That's a little bit different ball game because they're expecting OB J to come back healthy as ever, um, which I wouldn't doubt that with that guy's uh, you know freak ability. Not a huge fan of him, but you gotta give respect where respect's due. Um, all right, so that was the Packers pick, wide receiver Chris Olave. We got to go rapid fire here. I don't want to keep this uh, keep you guys on here too long. So up next is the Arizona Cardinals. Top needs are corner, edge, and wide receiver. I'm going to go with the best edge defender on the board, and that's David Ajabo. A little bit of injury concern there with the Achilles there. Um, you know, with the offseason, but I think he's going to come back from that and be just fine. So we'll take him there with Arizona. On to pick number four, uh, 24, we've got the Dallas Cowboys. Top needs are edge, safety, and wide receiver. To me, this is a no-brainer. They traded Amari Cooper. Of course, they've got Gallup. They just re-signed to a deal. They've got C.D. Lamb. But we know that offense and what McCarthy likes to do. We've seen it more than anybody. He loves 11 personnel. Jameson Williams makes so much sense right here to the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm going wide receiver Jameson Williams out of Alabama. Pick 25, the Buffalo Bills. Top needs are corner, wide receiver, and halfback. To me... This is one of those positions where you look at the top tier. We're now in Tier 3. There's only one wide receiver in Tier 3. Tier 4 is completely void of wide receiver. And when you look at the other positions of need there with corner and halfback, there's no way I'm taking a halfback. There are several tiers down before we get to our first halfback. Um, So what I'm going to do here is take wide receiver, uh, Traylon Burks. I think that he is going to fit in really, really well with the Buffalo Bills offense. Uh, could you imagine Traylon Burks opposite Diggs? I mean that and with Josh Allen throwing that ball down the field, oh my goodness. That's to me that's a dream come true. So number twenty six, we got the Tennessee Titans. Top need is wide receiver, linebacker, and offensive tackle. I'm going with the only linebacker in tier three. So he's a top tier talent, top current tier talent on the living board, and that's Dean out of Georgia. A little bit of injury concern there, but again, I don't think it's anything that's going to alter his career. Um, If there was two linebackers there graded somewhat similar, I would go with the more healthy, but seeing that there isn't, I'm going to go with Dean here to Tennessee. And Another link there, too, is Dean has been linked to, uh, to the New England Patriots quite a bit. And then here you got you know, the Bill Belichick disciple and Mike Vrabel, who's the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. I guarantee you, if if uh, Bill Belichick likes Dean as much as he's led on, I guarantee you that Mike Vrabel likes him as well. And we know Mike Vrabel, a former linebacker. Um, this is right down his alley. Uh, if if the Patriots didn't have Lloyd available when they picked, I could see them maybe going and getting Dean because they like him that much. So uh, with that being said, Tennessee Titans take linebacker Dean. On to pick number 27, you get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Top needs are interior offensive line, safety, and wide receiver. I'm going to go here with interior offensive line Zion Johnson. He's the best uh, best player in that tier as far as offensive line goes. It fits perfect, falls right into place for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So now we are on to the Green Bay Packers with pick 28. Again, no trades. You guys know how I feel about trading back. That would probably be my, my go here. But instead, I look at the board and I go, we need edge defender, offensive tackle, and defensive line. There are no offensive tackles anywhere in sight, guys. Anywhere in sight. Um, Edge defender, there are no edge defenders in this top tier. Hands down, the best player available, he graded just outside of tier two, is defensive lineman Wyatt. So that would be my pick with this scenario. Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. You get a big defensive lineman that you could put there next to Kenny Clark in the middle. I think that would be a solid pickup. Again, this is the Green Bay Packer way, baby. We draft best player available. He is uh, no injury concerns. It just so happened he did visit with the Green Bay Packers. I do think it's worth noting Chris Olave that I took with that pick. 
he visited the Green Bay Packers. Wyatt, I just now took with 28, visited the Green Bay Packers. To me, those two are really starting to make a lot of sense if the board falls the way that I expect it to. On to pick 29, the Kansas City Chiefs. Top needs, wide receiver, corner, and edge. Obviously, with Tariq Hill going to Miami, wide receiver is a huge, huge need um, for the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to kind of bolster that back up. Uh, but again, you've got wide receiver, corner, and edge. When I look at the wide receiver board, Traylon Burks is already gone. You'd have to go down two tiers to get the next one in Dotson or Pickens. I'm not reaching that far. Second need is corner. When you look at the board, it lines up perfect. So with corner, you've got two players. You've got uh, Andrew Booth Jr., and you've got Elam, okay, uh, Kyer Elam out of Florida. When I look at those two picks, what I would say is even though Booth is showing a little bit of injury concern, it's nothing crazy, he is significantly higher than Elam at a 26 as opposed to 28.5, so I'm going to go with Andrew Booth Jr. here to the Kansas City Chiefs. Up next, Kansas City back on the clock again, back-to-back picks. Top need now are a wide receiver, edge, and safety. When I look at the board, it, it makes so much sense that the best safety available on the board in the current tier for me would be Daxton Hill safety out of Michigan. So on to the next pick would be the Cincinnati Bengals. It's so weird seeing the Bengals pick at number 31 because of the season they had. When you go from pretty much worst to first in the AFC, I don't know. It's just really, really cool to me. Top needs are corner, safety, interior offensive line. This makes a lot of sense that you would go with the other corner on the board in Elam, who graded out a 28.5. That would be my pick there, Kyer Elam out of Florida. And last but not least, actually, yeah, least, are the Detroit Lions. And their top needs are edge defender, safety, and wide receiver. This is a no-brainer for me. Um, I'm going to go with a top tier, top current tier talent, and that's uh, at an elite position. It just so happens to line up perfectly to be um, a top need of yours at edge. I would take Boye Mafe here with the number 32 pick edge defender out of Minnesota. So there is your round one mock. I know it was fast. Um, some of you are saying probably, gosh, man, you went so quick. It was kind of hard for me to keep up. Others are probably going that lasted a lifetime. I agree with you both, but there you are your first round mock draft. Uh, again, just to recap with the 22 pick, we took wide receiver Chris Olave and with the number 28 pick, we took defensive lineman Wyatt. So there it is. All right. Packers news. Uh, one one guy that I feel like is one of the best follows on Twitter, and some of you may disagree, is Matt Schneidman. It just seems like he gets right to the point, and he posts a lot about the Packers. Um, I think that he's a, a great follow just to kind of get the news and notes as quick as possible without having to click through a paywall and all that. But he actually tweeted out a picture of uh, a handwritten page of the players that were at uh, the training facility today. Guys, football seasons it's already starting. You know, you have off-season training starting right now. The guys were in the practice facility. They were in Don Hudson practice facility today. And I like to list these players because it's important to me. These are the guys that want to be there in the off-season. Some might have that off-season workout bonus attached. Some may not. But I think it's important to give these guys kind of a little bit of recognition. So, in my opinion, these are the dudes that can't get enough. These are the guys that I want to root for. These are the guys that are putting in the extra time. So, let's just go down the list here. Uh, first of all, wide receiver, Randall Cobb. Can you think of a more fan favorite? The dude took a huge pay cut. Now he's out there in offseason. Uh, you know, Aaron's not there. There's several other people that aren't there. But here Randall is. He wants to get acclimated a little bit more to the system. I just think that's at the top of the list. Stand up, dude. I love him. And it has nothing to do with him being a Kentucky Wildcat. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, <laughs> on to the next. Halfback Aaron Jones. Halfback A.J. Dillon. Linebacker Ty Summers. Uh, offensive line John Runyon Jr., linebacker Chris Barnes, tight end Dominique Daphne, quarterback Jordan Love, that's right, uh, Dominique uh, Eberle, I guess is how you say his name, never heard of him, Isaiah McDuffie, Randy Ramsey, Royce Newman, Rashawn Gary, fan favorite Rashawn Gary in the house putting in the extra work. New punter Pat O'Donnell, seen a cool video of him and Mason Crosby arriving together today, so Mason's there as well. Quarterback Kurt Benkert, the people's champ, right? Kbion Ento, you got Malik Taylor, tight end Josiah Deguara, we've got uh, 
defensive lineman Dean Lowry. We got tight end Robert Tunyon in the house. TJ Slayton, Devondre Campbell with that new contract, getting some work in at middle linebacker. Uh, halfback Kylan Hill, real important for him to be around a facility coming off that injury. You got Vernon Scott, Patrick Taylor, Preston Smith, Shamar Jean Charles, Enos Gaines. You got big Kenny Clark, Jack Heflin, uh, sophomore standout going to be uh, this year. That's Eric Stokes, Ray Wilburn, um, Mac. You got Ladarius Hamilton. You got uh, Keandre Thomas, Rico Gafford, and Jawan Winfrey. So I think it's important to mention those guys. First of all, get excited. We've got stuff going on at 1265 Lombardi Avenue, man. I am fired up. We got the draft right around the corner. We got players reporting. But uh, again, the thing that stands out to me the most there is Randall Cobb. I love that dude, man. Taking a pay cut, putting in the extra work. He's going to be a team leader this year, and he's going to be somebody to help some of the uh, the younger receivers that we might pick in the draft. I think it's going to be huge. So, uh, yeah, the name that stands out to me, and he could have been there, just got overlooked maybe, is Amari Rogers. I was kind of like, where's? I wonder why Amari isn't there, because usually he's tagging along with Randall, you know, being his godfather. Um, cool story there. If you don't know that, do a little bit of research. But it's uh, really, really cool, the connection they have. But there you go. Those are the guys who reported it today for off-season workouts. All right, and other uh, a quick Packers news uh, note, I guess you could say. Matt Schneiman um, actually tweeted out that the Packers have hired John Donovan as a senior analyst. He was the offensive coordinator at the University of Washington the last two years. To the best of my knowledge, this now completes the Packers coaching staff so that everybody's in place now and uh, you know picking up he was like I said the OC at the University of Washington the last two years going to get somebody else in the building to help doing a uh, to be a senior analyst I think that's a cool pickup there Um, now we're just going to do one more news and note I guess you could say this is uh, league-wide Ian Rappaport uh, reported yesterday uh, on Monday that the Browns are signing Pro Bowl cornerback Denzel Ward to a five-year $100.5 million contract extension that includes $71.25 million guaranteed per source. Only 24 years old, Ward is now the highest paid corner in the NFL history. So it's important to mention that because we all know when I see it, every time another corner signs, I'm going to go, ugh, because we know Jair Alexander needs a new contract. That right there, though, is a good gauge of what it's going to cost. Um, you know, if the numbers average out correctly, you're going to be looking at an average of anywhere from 17 to $22 million per year cap hit to re-sign Jair Alexander. I think the deal will get done. Um, it's just uh, when you see another corner sign, every time a, a player signs at a position uh, where you have a player in an existing contract year that's doing negotiating, the price is going to go up. The market has been reset. I imagine Jair would want to reset the market himself. But it's going to be really, really cool to see if he takes a little bit of a hometown discount to stay there in Green Bay. Uh, Not to stay in Green Bay, but just to kind of help the team out. We've got the perfect gauge to decide, is he really going to do that? Because if he comes out less than this, then we know, okay, he took a little bit less money to help the Packers. Not that I think he should do that or he should feel obligated to do that. The dude needs to get his money when he can. God knows he's performed at that level. Um, it sucks that he was injured last year, but anytime Jair's been on the field or you hear about him in practice or anything, the dude gives 110% effort. And I honestly think that he was one of those players that um, wasn't expected necessarily to be picked as high as he was. And I'd say he has a little bit of respect for the Packers in, in taking them when they when they did. So, But anyway, that's uh, that's the show, guys. One day, like I said, get you that, that one-round mock draft, give you a little bit of Packers history on where Hall of Fame players were drafted in the past. That was a fun little exercise. Every time I do one of those, I learn something, and it's uh, it's really, really good. So I thought we would switch it up and do something a little more um, detailed as opposed to just a, uh, a a global look at someone's life or a contribution to the organization. I think both of those type of stories have their place on the show, but it's just important to kind of mix and match and not bore you guys with too much uh, too much nerding out with history because I'm telling you guys, I could talk about history all day long, whether it's American history, especially colonial <clears throat> colonial American history, 
or the Green Bay Packers. I'm just a nerd for that stuff. So anyway, thanks for tuning in to the show. Appreciate your time. As always, you guys could be uh, doing anything else in the world or listening to anything else, and you choose to be here with us, man. We really, really appreciate it. I know I speak for Ryan uh, confidently that he feels exactly the same way. So thank you for your time. Um, as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And you know it, you know it, you know it. Go Pack Go. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com